bless your holy name. We exalt that name which is above every other name, even the name of Jesus. And we would invite you, Holy Spirit of God, to just have, we give you permission this morning to move in our midst, to speak to our hearts, and even as we gather around the table of the Lord this morning and we hold these elements of bread and wine in our hands, I pray, Lord, that the reality of Christ's finished work on the cross would be made real to us today and that we would join and through that mystical union in Christ that we would be united with Christ and that we would be seated with Him in heavenly places. Come and have your way. Speak to us now through your word. May it be our rule and our guide. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. Startle us again, O God, with your grace and your love, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I failed earlier to uh, make a correction of a misprint that was in this week's bulletin. Uh, Beth Gaussman and her fiancé, David Cage, and their families are extending a warm welcome to the entire church family to join with them this coming Saturday in the celebration of their marriage. However, we printed it at 6 p.m. rather than the actual time of 3 p.m. So if you come at 6, they'll be long gone. So if you care to join in this celebration with them, which we hope you do, be sure to make note of that. It's not 6 p.m., but rather 3 p.m. Turn in your Bibles to that passage that uh, Pastor Dave read a few moments ago in the New Testament to Acts chapter 2. My, wasn't the Old Testament reading this morning a bit gloomy? And yet I thought that David hit it right on the spot when he talked about the fact that life without Christ is indeed meaningless. Amen. You can be chasing after the wind. You can be chasing after all sorts of things. And if you aren't following, as we talked last week, if you aren't following hard after God, you will discover at some point in your life, and hopefully you'll discover it before your death and the Lord calls you home, you'll discover that all of this chasing after the wind is, as Solomon says, absolutely meaningless. I think it's good for us at times to be confronted with texts like the Ecclesiastes text, to be reminded of that which God through Christ has saved us from. Do you remember when you were walking according to meaningless ways and you'd bought into meaningless values? Praise be to God because of Jesus Christ. Our life has meaning and purpose. And I have a reason to live, not only looking toward the eternal life, but recognizing the abundant life that is mine in Christ. That that really makes me rejoice. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, we'll look at it in just a moment. If someone asks you to describe... First Alliance Church, what would you say? Good church? Great people? Good-looking pastor? (laughs) Brown brick? Tall steeple? Large facility? Authentic faith? Bible-based? Diverse programs? The fact is that there probably are a number of legitimate ways that we could describe 
this body that we call First Alliance Church and still be very accurate, be spot on. It, it depends, I suppose, on your perspective. The fact is, it's somewhat like standing on the rim of the Grand Canyon and trying to describe this magnificent wonder of the world. If you describe it from the east rim of the canyon, it will probably look a bit different than your description of the canyon from the west rim or the north rim or the south rim. There's actually only one way to get a big picture view of the Grand Canyon, and that is that you need to climb an altitude and fly over the canyon and take it all in in order to understand its immensity and its grandeur and get the sense of what the whole of it is like. And so that's what I want to attempt with the Spirit's help this morning to do over the next four weeks. I want us together to climb the heights, as it were, and to get an aerial view of the church, the body of Christ. And I want to get even more specific than that uh, this week and the next three weeks to look at our church, our body, First Alliance Church, the place we call home, and take a look at uh, who we are in Christ and what God is doing graciously in this place. And so this morning, I'm beginning a new series of messages, four messages in all, called Church 360 Degrees, where from different vantage points, we can look at what it is we've been called to be and to do as the Church of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you were paying close attention to the reading of God's Word this morning, that text from Acts that Dave read. Because speaking of the big picture, that's exactly what you have in Acts chapter 2. Now, it's helpful to understand that what you have here in our Scripture text this morning, in Acts chapter 2, in the Acts of the Apostles, is the earliest moment of church history on record. Actually, it is the passage of primary reference since the birthplace of the church is set in Acts chapter 2. Just to refresh your memory, the Holy Spirit has come in power, uh, in flame, and as a mighty rushing wind upon those who were in the upper room gathered there to these once frightened and timid believers, uh, followers of Jesus, and the Spirit has come upon them and has empowered them with this Pentecostal flame, and they've been birthed. The church has been birthed at this point. And they begin with great boldness to, to disseminate out from that upper room, and they begin to take the life-giving words of Jesus to people on the streets in Jerusalem, and as we read in Acts chapter 1, that they shall be witnesses to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even the uttermost parts of the earth. Now what you read in Acts chapter 2 in the text this morning is that after the Holy Spirit has, had descended upon these, this group of kind of timid believers who have now become bold in Christ, what you discover is that Peter stood up and he spoke the gospel in a sermon that every homiletician should take a lesson from. It was brief, but it was potent. And what he said was, repent and believe. He talked about Jesus, crucified, dead, buried, resurrected from the dead, and now living. 
And as Peter stood and spoke this potent message about the life-giving power of Jesus Christ, what happened? We see that in one meeting, 3,000 souls were saved. 3,000. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine what it would be like if even 100 people were saved in a gospel meeting today? And yet what we read of here is that the Holy Spirit was moving in such power in this group of believers that 3,000 came to the faith as a result of this gospel message. But take note that here you have thousands of believers, yet they had no building, no edifice, no PowerPoint, no stage light, no sound system, none of the accoutrements that we had. They, they had no vision statement or mission or purpose statement. They had no knowledge of the Christian life. They had no tradition to fall back on. They had no church constitution or bylaws. Hallelujah. I wish I lived in the first century. They had no set of creeds. They had an incomplete Bible. They virtually, from every standpoint that you would evaluate the effectiveness of a church today in the 21st century, they virtually had nothing. And yet from this original body of 3,000 souls, the flame of the Spirit spread throughout Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the uttermost parts of the world, and disciples were trained and equipped, and they were set loose, and the rest is history. We need to take a page from their history and understand what was it that made these believers so dynamic. Now, we understand that it's going to look a bit differently because we live in a different time and a different culture, but there are, I think, some constants there, some objectives that they pursued that were important to the life-giving power that they experienced in their midst. And how did Dr. Luke describe these powerful believers? He gives us the big, he climbs to the heights and he gives us the big picture view of these believers. And he says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Pretty simple. From this original account of their activities and involvements, we see that there are probably four objectives that emerge. They concentrated on worship, instruction, fellowship, and outreach. A vision to reach out to their world beyond their circle to bring hope and help for those who were in vast need. Now, for the few moments that we have before we come to the Lord's table this morning, I want to zero in on the second of those objectives, instruction. In fact, over the next four weeks, I'm going to use four words. Today's word is grow. Next week's word will be connect, and then share and serve. Grow, connect, share, and serve. Today's word is grow. It seems to me that the backbone of this dynamic body of believers was biblical truth and instruction. Acts chapter 2 asserts that, I think, rather clearly. It says they devoted. They didn't dabble in. They didn't mess around with. They didn't go skimming along the surface. But they devoted themselves. They committed. They continually were committing themselves to the apostles' 
teaching. That is, that they gave themselves intentionally to immersing themselves in the Word of God. Why? So that they could be changed and transformed and renewed by the Word. And as a result of their devotion to the Word of God, verse 42, or I'm sorry, verse 44, tells us that they became known as believers. They weren't even called Christians at this point. They were called believers. That they were those who had believed. They had believed the good news of Jesus Christ, of His life, His death, His resurrection, and they declared that so much so, they believed in the Gospel of Jesus that every day, continually, the text tells us, that new believers were being added into the kingdom of God. I tell you what, I am tired about reading about revivals and awakenings that have taken in the, in the past. I'm tired of reading about Jonathan Edwards, and I'm tired about read, reading about the revival at Cane Ridge in Kentucky. I'm tired about reading about the Welsh revival and the great Scottish revival. I tell you what, I want to experience revival. And I believe that the only way that we will ever experience that revival is if, as I said last week, if we get really serious about saying to the Lord, if you don't go with us, if your presence is not with us, then we're not going to go. We'd rather stay here in the desert, Lord, if it means we're going to be with you, than to go off to the land flowing with milk and honey if we have to go there without you. And I want to see, and I have been praying for, and I trust that the Lord will allow me to see it with my own eyes and experience it before the Lord calls me home, to see the fresh wind of the Pentecostal Spirit blow across a body of believers that is ready and prayed up and ready to join God in the work He's doing. You know, God is, is searching for a body of believers like that, and I want First Alliance to be that body of believers. Do you? I do. These people were committed to biblical instruction from God's Word. And I want you to know that so are we. One of our core values is that, that we teach biblical truth, whether it's here in the worship center on Sundays when we gather, or in our small groups, or our ABFs, or whatever. We are committed in every level, children, youth, and adults, to faithful, rightly dividing the Word of God, biblical teaching and preaching. And we believe with all of our hearts that multiple benefits bloom in the soil of sound biblical preaching and teaching. You don't need a lot of bells and whistles to have people get saved. You don't need fancy programs to have people be transformed into the likeness of Jesus. You need the Word of God to be faithfully declared, precept upon precept upon precept, and as a result, the whole, I was just talking to, to a friend about this this morning. We don't save anyone. It is the Holy Spirit. But when the Word of God is preached and people are praying, the Holy Spirit moves and convicts men and women of their sin and will lead them to the Savior. Our job is to get ourselves in the right position under God, to be humble before God, to be praying and say, God, won't you move? Move in this place. Move in my heart. Move in my home. Move in my marriage. And unless you do, I can't move forward. We are committed to biblical truth. Now, I know that a commitment to instruction can be overemphasized to such an extreme that the church becomes little more than a Bible class. That's not what we're talking about. I believe that it's possible to emphasize 
Bible knowledge as an end in itself as the preeminent goal of the Christian life. But friends, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Paul did not say, I want to know the Bible and memorize multiple verses of Scripture. What did Paul say in Philippians 3.10? Read it with me. It's up there on the screen. I want to know Christ. Read it with me. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. I tell you what, we can fill you up with all kinds of Bible knowledge, and if you don't come to know Christ, you've missed the point. The point is to know Christ and the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and attaining to this resurrection from the dead. I love what A.W. Tozer, uh, one of the prince of preachers in the Alliance, said in his fantastic book, Pursuit of God. He said this. It's up there on the screen. Sound Bible teaching is an imperative in the church but it can be carried out wrongly. The Bible is not an end in itself, but rather it is a means to an end. That end is to bring us into an intimate and satisfying knowledge of God that we might enter into Him, that we might delight in His presence. That's what we talked about last week. That we might taste and know the inner sweetness of God Himself at the center and core of our being. And until and unless we find God in this kind of personal experience, we are not any the better for simply having heard the Bible. It's got to get into us. We have to immerse ourselves so that the Word of God, sharp and active, can begin to change us and transform us and renew us and make us more like Jesus. That's the goal of our biblical instruction. And friends, I want you to walk out of here today realizing a simple truth that God wants you to know Him. He wants you to know Him. He wants you to experience Him. He wants you to understand His heart. He wants you to walk with Him and talk with Him. He wants you to walk according to the Spirit. He wants to have an intimate personal friendship and relationship with you as a follower of His. That's what the Christian life is all about. But I need to remind you quickly that there's a cost involved. There's a cost to building and maintaining an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. As a disciple of Jesus Christ, one of the costs, there are many, but one of the costs is that you need to submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ and you need to drive a stake in a commitment and say, Lord, I'm going to commit to grow in you and to become more like Jesus. The concern I have is that far too many believers in the Christian church today come to faith in Christ and they are saved. They get the fire insurance policy and they camp out there for the rest of their years until the Lord calls them home. That is not the norm or should not be the norm for Christians. When you come to faith in Christ, when you are saved and redeemed, that is the beginning point of a lifelong journey with Christ where you should be growing in the Lord. You should be growing in faith and growing in your prayer life and growing in your understanding of the Word and growing in your service and growing in your witness and growing in every aspect of your life. That's what we are called to as a disciple of Jesus, as a devoted follower of His. We need to commit to spiritual growth. And so I would ask you this morning, 
are you? I'm not talking about your husband or your son or your mother or your aunt. I'm talking about you. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus? I'm not asking if you're a member of this church. I'm not asking if you attend worship and throw money in the offering plate. I'm not asking if you're an elder or have reverend in front of your name. I'm asking you, are you a disciple, an apprentice of Jesus? What does a mature mature disciple look like? It's a person who's committed to growth. Our word for today is grow. Don't just camp out. Just don't sit there. Wait for the Lord to come or call you home. You're called to grow. A mature disciple is, is committed to growth. In fact, the very word disciple is a high commitment word. Discipline comes from the very same root. It implies an intentionality about it, about learning and following and surrendering and obeying and ordering one's life and values and priorities around the reality that Jesus Christ is at the center. He is the Lord of your life. Don't make Him just Savior. Make Him Lord of everything. Lord of your speech, Lord of your home, Lord of your marriage. It implies a passion for Jesus Christ, a passion for the Word of God. They devoted themselves. They thrust themselves into the apostles' teaching. They engaged in worship. They met every day. You think we're asking for a huge commitment from you to come out once a week? These believers were so hepped up about following Jesus. They met every day for fellowship, to pray, to reach out to their community, to win the lost to Christ. At FAC, we're interested in producing not members. We're interested in producing mature ministering disciples, not tag-alongs, not observers, not bench-sitters, not attenders, not pew potatoes. If you fit into that category, you know who you are. If you're looking for a congregation where you can be comfortable and just sort of blend in, being invisible and anonymous, playing at church, dabbling in religion, keeping Jesus at arm's length, you think I'm going to say go somewhere else, don't you? I'm not. I'm going to say we want you here. If that's where you are, we want you here. But we're going to love you too much to leave you there. Because God loves you too much to leave you there. We want to produce men and women, boys and girls, students, who are so fully devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God and its transforming and renewing power in their life, that it will revolutionize their life and their home and their family and their church and their school and their community and our state and our nation and our world. I believe that our church can have an impact on this world if we would get our priorities straight and we would be committed to grow spiritually. In reality, we aren't a church that's looking to add more members. Why? Because God's not interested in members. God could care less about church roles 
and church records. We do a lot, our secretaries and administrative assistants do a lot to keep the records straight and decent and in order, but God's interested in mature, ministering apprentices, disciples that are learning to follow the Master, to order their life around Jesus, so that we would begin to look like, talk like, think like, be like Jesus. That's the goal. For you, young person, older person, grandparent, student, to be like Jesus. And in order to be like Jesus, you need to make a commitment to the apostles' teaching to the Word of God. And so we are a high-commitment church. We aren't called to dabble in the faith, but we believe that God is calling us to make more disciples, apprentices for Him. So, we, the leadership of the church, have flagged some ways that we're going to concentrate on doing that. And it's going to require some changes and some rearrangement of the furniture. We're going to move furniture in the next couple of months. And some of the furniture moving that we're doing is among our adult Bible fellowships. ABFs, adult Bible fellowships, have been our mid-sized communities. Little congregations that have been committed to biblical instruction. And First Alliance is blessed with a number of devoted teachers, committed teachers, who are rightly dividing the Word of God each week. I pray for them weekly, and God is blessing and using them. The only problem is that too few of you adults are taking advantage of what's available in our adult Bible fellowships of these growth opportunities. This past year... On average, 165 adults have participated in one of our seven ABFs. That calculates out to about 18% of the adults who worship here on an average Sunday. Currently, there are about 922 adults, I'm not talking about children and youth, 922 adults that worship here on an average Sunday morning. Only 165 are participating in an adult Bible fellowship. So we're raising the bar. We're blowing the trumpet. We're calling more of you to get committed and to get involved in these mid-sized communities that we have called adult Bible fellowship. And one of the main charges that I and our board of elders have given to, to our new pastor for disciple-making, Pastor Ben Stefano, is to lead the charge for this initiative and help us in developing healthy, mid-sized biblical communities, little churches, mini congregations that are committed to biblical instruction on the one hand and community life on the other. An environment where people can connect with others, to know and be known, to love and be loved, to serve and to be served. Now, we realize that in a church the size of FAC, that feeling connected can be a very strenuous thing. And while our morning worship celebrations are great, they're, they're inspirational, they're filled with great worship, as we've experienced this morning, and teaching, by their very nature, you can't get into the nitty-gritty of God's Word, and you can't really connect in true biblical community in a room this size with, with this many people. 
So we want to provide an environment into which you as a believer, because of your commitment to the apostles' teaching, can dig deeper into the Word of God on the one hand and can experience community in the Christian journey with other believers that know you, that know your name. You know, the problem in a group like this is you can't know everybody. I've, I, I virtue, I, I, I venture a guess that, that there's not one person, including myself, that knows everybody in this room. You just can't get to know other believers in a group this size. And so what, we, what we're designing to do is create this mid-sized group into which you can become connected with other people to know and be known, loved and be loved, served and be served. And that's what we want to see happen in a fuller way in these mid-sized groups. So Pastor Ben and our ABF leaders have been working all spring and summer busy redesigning and retooling these ABFs for a fall launch on Sunday, September the 9th. And we're giving them a new name. We're going to call them community life groups because we think that it, it probably reflects a better sense of what we want them to be. We are going to make an intentional effort to move these groups from just being a class of people sitting in rows listening to a lecture to being built around the teaching of God's Word on the one hand and a sense of growing community where people can feel connected with other believers. And this, we believe, is the place where relationships and community will begin to form for the individuals who worship here on a Sunday morning. We want you to be equipped with knowledge that you can apply in your daily life so that you can be made more like Jesus, the goal of discipleship. This is not esoteric knowledge so that you can name all the flowers in the Old Testament. That's not the kind of instruction that we're looking for. These community life groups are going to zero in on the essential stuff, the basics of the Christian life, so that you can come out of this place knowing what you believe and why you believe it, and be prepared to give an answer for the hope that is in you. The curriculum for these community life groups is the Bible, the supernatural Word of God that we believe has the power to change an individual. And the approach will be creative and diverse and different, and it will be Spirit-led. Secondly, we're building a, a, a greater emphasis on building community. That's why we're redesigning this whole adult Christian ed thing. So that you can get together long term with other believers who know you and really get to know them and encourage you and they can encourage uh, you and you they in fellowship to grow. Our word for today is grow. And so we're urging you to get involved in a community life group so you can spur each other on in your growth. And we're encouraging you to make this the first step of involvement after attending one of our worship services, to get involved in one of these community life groups. Now, we believe that your involvement in these many churches, these many congregations, is absolutely foundational to the big picture goal of making more disciples for Jesus. Now, because of this fresh emphasis that we're putting on these many congregations, these community life groups, we have made the painful decision to bring ICLT, our midweek disciple-making process, to a close. ICLT has been something that God has used effectively. It had a great run. It's been a good, strong run. But over the 
past four years, there has been a sharp decline in participation. In 2003 and 4, the average attendance by adults in one of our ICOT classes was 111. In 2004-5, the average attendance was 83. In 5-6 was 73. And in the most recent year, 6-7, the average attendance was 62. To put it plainly, participation is dropping like a rock in ICLT. And it's time to say, this isn't effective anymore. We're investing too many resources in something that's not effective. It's been painful to come to this end. But we're taking the resources, the teaching resources, the people resources, the knowledge resources, the financial resources that we've invested in ICLT, and we're reinvesting those in community life groups because we want more of you to be involved in a community life group. So we're pulling out the staffs and encouraging you, if you aren't already, if you're one of the 165 that's in one, great. Stay there. Stay committed to it. But if you're not part of the 165, I'm personally throwing out the challenge to you to get participating in one of these community life groups this fall. And my challenge is to Pastor Ben and his team that we're going to raise participation over the next year. We're going to double it from 165 to 330. Now you say, wow, that's pretty aggressive. But remember, there are 922 adults that attend First Alliance on any given Sunday. Even if only 330 participate, doubling what now participate, that means about 36% of our people will be involved in a community life group. I mean, we should be at 60 or 70% or more of involvement. In, are we devoted to the apostles' teaching or do we just give lip service to it? You come and get your spiritual vitamin on Sunday in the 30 minutes or 35 or 40 or 45 that I'm able to preach. And you think, I've got, I've got my inoculation for the week. It's time for us to grow up and stop feeding on the milk of the Word and to get into the meat of the Word. And so we're pulling out the stops and encouraging you to get involved in one of these community life groups. We believe that you should also be involved in a small group as well. And I'm going to talk more about that next week as we gather together and we consider the word connect and talk to you about what our small groups ministry is doing. Now, since ICLT will be discontinued in the fall, we are moving our midweek prayer gathering, which heretofore was presented on Wednesday nights, part of ICLT. We're moving it off of Wednesday nights and we're moving it to Tuesday evenings. And we're giving it a fresh face and we're calling it Fresh Encounter. It's going to take place from 7 to 8 each Tuesday evening right here in the worship center. I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be part of the leadership team that is leading this church-wide prayer experience that will feature intimate times for prayer, worship, reflection, and a variety of intercessory focal points. We believe our first core value is prayer is the first work. Let's stop giving lip service to it and let's put feet to it and get going in the area of prayer. And so I'm challenging you to get involved in Fresh Encounter this fall, starting September the 11th, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock in this room. Let me share with you some of the other furniture rearranging that we're doing in our discipling efforts, in our biblical instruction. They have to do with children and youth. For a number of years now, Pastor John Hall, our children's pastor here at First Alliance, has been looking to move our midweek ministry to children called Awana, a workman, workmen are not ashamed, 
from Wednesday nights to Sunday nights. And the leadership team has decided that this fall is the perfect time to make that change. So beginning in September, Awana will move from its Wednesday night position to Sunday nights beginning at 6 o'clock each week. Earlier start gives us a half an hour jump on it so kids can get home by 7.30. Younger kids can get to bed instead of the late bedtime on Wednesday nights as we've had it before and ready for school on Monday morning. We're hoping that moving to Sunday night will give the opportunity for some of you to get involved as a volunteer in Awana, whereas in the past you've been involved in other things and could not volunteer in Awana. We're hoping that many of you will step up and volunteer, thus the insert in your bulletin today that talks about volunteerism in Awana. We need people to be involved in Awana on Sunday nights because biblical instruction is not just important to adults but it's important to children. It's important to children. Now, because the facility will be bustling with Awana and Epic Faith on Sunday nights, Epic Faith will be launched on Sunday, September the 9th. Our youth ministry is changing its focus and position from dividing the week Sunday and Wednesday, and all of our youth, junior high and senior high, are moving to Wednesday nights, and they will now have the luxury of having the majority of the facility to themselves because prayer is moving to Tuesday, ICLT is being discontinued, uh, children, Awana, are moving to Sunday nights. Now the youth are going to have access to the gym and the youth center and other rooms for breakout groups and small groups. It will open up lots of opportunities for our student ministry to deepen and enhance their ministry to students and youth. Choir will retain its position on Wednesday evenings as our church musicians prepare and rehearse for our times of worship and special concerts through the year. Divorce care, which formerly was situated on Wednesday night, is moving to Tuesday night. They're going to be meeting here in the building and an exciting new opportunity for children who are going through the pain of divorce is opening up this fall with DC4K Divorce Care for Kids. We are so excited. We are the only church in the metropolitan region that is going to be offering this exciting program for children who are going through the pain of divorce. And that's going to be on Tuesday evening. So whether in a community life group or Awana on Sunday nights or youth on Wednesdays or prayer on Tuesdays or divorce care for kids or adults, the focus in all of these things is what? Spiritual growth. To grow. Children, youth, adults, growing, 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 growing in their walk of discipleship. Not just camping out waiting for the Lord to come, but growing and becoming more like Jesus. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, submitted to the Lordship of Jesus, and wants to become an imitator of Him, Jesus, in every thought, word, deed, and is growing and being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. In other words, as a disciple, as an apprentice of Jesus, we are committed about becoming more like him, learning to live as Jesus himself would do it. And as best as we know how, to progressively, in this journey that we've been called to, 
to, in our, every aspect of our lives, arrange and rearrange our priorities to grow, to grow spiritually into the likeness of Jesus. Are you committed to grow? I hope you are. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, You are a gracious and loving God. You've disclosed to us the mystery that has been hidden for the ages. Christ in us, the hope of glory. It baffles us, Lord. It amazes us. It it humbles us that You would take up residence in an earthen vessel like us. We want to know You and the power of Your resurrection. Help us, O God, that all of us, not just some of us, but all of us, may move forward with a humble boldness to grow into maturity and to minister as ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Help us to that end. We pray in Jesus' name.